0: Welcome to Smut Lovers, the podcast. The one place designed to talk about all things smut. For years, the word has carried negativity, but it's time to take back and own it. In each episode, you will spend time with spicy romance author Nikki Rome as she interviews readers, authors, and kinksters about all things romance. Do you have a book you love, but you've been too afraid to talk about it? Leave all that worry at the door and join us as we dig into what we love and what we hate about smutty books.
1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Smut Lovers the Podcast. I am Nikki Rome, a spicy romance author, and I am here today with Lizzie Strong. One of our fabulous monster authors. I am so excited to talk to Lizzie tonight. Let me tell you a little bit about her before we get started. So Lizzie Strong is a monster romance author where the monsters are spooky scary, but the romance is cute and cuddly. Uh, Florida swamp gremlin masquerading as a human. She's a dog mom, previous retail and restaurant manager, and a horror DM for tabletop role playing games. No idea what that is, but we're going to find out. She specializes in queer representation, specifically by pan rep, uh, with a heavy splash of chaos. Best known for her King's Fall series, she's seven books deep and getting deeper in kink-friendly, consent-heavy monster smut. I love that sentence. Kink-friendly, consent-heavy monster smut. Like, all words that you would never expect to go together unless you're talking in a small Lover's podcast. <laughs> like,
2: it just works it's very on brand <laughs> i love
1: it i love it welcome Lindsay. i'm so happy to have you tonight i'm so
2: excited
1: i know this is fun i think and i have to think back i you might be i have other monster i almost called you a monster fucker because that's what i love calling all my it's monster romance the hashtag that so,
2: everyone uses so that's
1: why it's in my quiet. head <laughs> I know I have other monster authors on the schedule. I can't remember if we've recorded any or if any have published yet. So this is exciting. This is exciting to have you. So let's um, let's just jump right in. Let's talk about all the things. So I'm going to start with why monsters? Like, where did it come from? How did we get there? Have we read it? Do we love it? I mean, monster fucking has become kind of new-ish, I mean, it's been there, but I think it really has hit mainstream over the last couple of years. So is it always something you've had a passion for or something you kind of stumbled upon?
2: Hashtag thanks, Katie Roberts, for bringing it to the mainstream. (laughs) Perfect. Love it. We will
1: blame Um, Katie for that and thank her.
2: (laughs) But uh, So what happened is uh, my actual villain origin story is that I started writing horror first. um, And I was writing paranormal monster horror but the problem is, is that I, since the dawn of my beginning, was writing romance fanfiction. So I was on fanfiction, Quizilla, AO3, and romance is where my heart was. And that's the stuff I was pouring my heart into. But when I was trying to get published, I was like, I need to write something that's going to be publishable, right? So I did horror because I'm also a horror girly. It's the genre I mostly read. Mm-hmm. Um, but my heart wasn't in it. And so I took a step back and just threw my soul into something that didn't have to have like any attachments I didn't have to have any expectations of publishing it just what I wanted to write and immediately I was like I don't want to write humans so <laughs> I did it <laughs> no humans um immediately I when in the, the
1: beginning I was not going there I love it
2: no humans. Uh, so, uh, my first book, uh, Night and Mage Inc, is like light monster romance because technically they're both not human, and that's really. The genre basic is someone somewhere has got to be not human. Mm -hmm. And uh, Xena's a Goliath. uh, So she's like, think orc, but steel colored uh, with stripey tattoos. If you've ever seen Critical Role, she looks like Grog, but um, with blonde hair. And then uh, Odette is a fae. So pointy ears. She doesn't have wings, but her mom does. And she blasts fire out of her palms. Uh, And then... (laughs) This is fun, <laughs> <laughs> And then like my brain was like, let's go full hog. And my very next book that I wrote had a tentacle monster in it. And he's uh, glorious. He's in a suit. Uh, he's got tentacles that come down his face, uh, tentacles that are, somewhere else that is very advantageous (laughs) for him um he's purple and uh looks like a cosmos star it's fantastic and uh i realized that that's where my heart was which was writing non-humans falling in love with other non-humans uh and uh just how people come together in that romance side of it with just like a twinge of weirdness so Ah, uh, company has Cthulhu in it, Ah uh, the counter's waitress. Ah, uh, he's an old adventurer, but he's like a barbarian. So he's used to swing swords. Now he's just a cat guy who owns a pub. Like, uh, there it just it's it also plays into uh, the tabletop role playing game or like d and d. So a lot of people are familiar with Dungeons and Dragons yeah. or Pathfinder. Uh, I've been a DM and in the d and d space for almost 20 years now Uh, hashtag uh, shout out to my ex-boyfriend who uh, (laughs) introduced me uh, when I was in high school begrudgingly I was like I don't want to play that and he was like we should absolutely play it and then it has impacted my entire life since
1: (laughs) I mean as you're explaining your characters I'm like picturing D&D
2: and I've never played
1: it but like it's that obvious that it is influenced that much and I love it
2: Every aspect of it. Uh, So a lot of people who like like D&D or uh, like Dimension 20 with like Brennan Lee Mulligan and stuff, uh, a lot of people who like that also like my books because it's that same uh this is what happens when D adventurers decide to either retire or they don't go out adventuring and they get day jobs uh, so oh, it's magical monsters doing mundane cozy things while still having like adventure and romance and uh that's kind of my niche is right there in that dnd uh slash monster romance genre
1: so just like the insight into your brain is just it wow. Is-
2: I, <laughs> it is seven cats on different spinning wheels all at could, once being like, like, what if he was a dragon? <laughs> like,
1: hold on. Uh, no wings, but we're going to shoot fire from our hands and then maybe we'll put some... No, yeah. But just I, Okay, but let's pause because that is the joy of monster writing. Like, I mean, you could literally make them do anything you want and have any power and do, like, literally anything right and I think that is so much fun especially coming from something you writes right thinking temporary and I'm like
2: I mean but what if he had a second one is like the main <laughs> question what if there were two it would take care of things so much easier
1: it would I would not have to write as much why choose if we could just have multiple <laughs> appendages I don't like it could work it could right. work I think it's funny because we were just talking, I recorded Deborah Alexander right before you, which Mm -hmm. she will air before yours. So for our listeners, you've probably already heard this, but Lizzie hasn't. (laughs) I read my first tentacle romance last year um, and it was an MM tentacle romance. And it was, and I was like, It was basically, like, I met Shay Montgomery at a conference, and she told me what she wrote, and I was like, I mean, maybe. And she's like, okay, but I just want you to think about it. Just
2: consider it for a moment. Picture
1: all the places the tentacles could go. And then I was like, okay, where do I start? It was such fun reading. Like I loved everything about it. And it was just a blast. It was a blast. And so I like that was my first introduction to like the world of tentacles. And I've got to admit, I have dabbled in and out of different types of monster romance books. Um but it's hard because since again, I do write contemporary and my guys can't usually have two dicks, so like I can't be influenced by all the lovely things that you guys write in the fun worlds. Because the next thing you know, I'll be like, let's start a new pen name. We're jumping into all of it. Because that's We're just going to
2: go hog wild. Uh, so just they're just people there. with better accessories. Is uh, It
1: really is. But it's fun. And I mean, I think just like the visual aspect of it, like just picturing the things in your mind and your character and. I mean, the way you describe your character will be many times different than the way a reader would envision their character, right? Mm -hmm. That they're reading, and I think that is just, just fun. It's just fun. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about like your reading before you, you as a reader before you got into the writing piece of it. So, um, how long have you been reading romance? I mean, you talked about it being horror. Like, horror was kind of, like, where you started with writing. Was that um, where you started with reading, too? Or did you kind of read all over the place in the beginning?
2: Um, I've been a bookworm, capital (laughs) W-Y-R-M, since uh, I was very young. uh, Because both... My father is a big Tolkien fan, so we had high fantasy all over the house. Um, And then my mother was the world's biggest Stephen King fan uh growing up so it was
1: what a combo
2: right it was not usual uh so while a lot of my friends were reading like uh smaller things uh or thousand page books and like hey let's talk about this Right, and uh, I took that book reading challenge in elementary school as like a personal challenge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was getting us pizza every week. Uh, oh <laughs> they stopped it. the program mostly, I think, in my grade for because of me, because I was burning them out <laughs> of <laughs> pocket. <laughs> <In> yes. <laughs> um, so reading-wise, I've always read all over the place. Uh, so my preferred genre to read for just relaxing and having a good time is either like YA fantasy or horror. Um, I read, when I read romance, I'm reading it, um, to feel like inspired and connected to my genre. Um, or because most of the time I read a lot of romance because my besties are like, hey, I've got a new book coming out. You want to read it? Yeah, Hand it over. Give it to me. So most of my romance isn't actually physical. It's on my phone. Um, and it's not because I don't want the physical copies. It's just I'm almost always the alpha, beta, or arc reader. <laughs>
1: right. And so there is no physical coming your way until I, it's
2: out. <laughs> I will... Flood my house with books If I have every romance book That I've read in the last few years From other uh, romance authors And there would be no room to walk In this house Um, So, and I think that Really, like, when I'm writing Which is about 80% of the time uh, I can't be reading Romance because I don't want it to Influence my brain But when Mm. I'm editing romance, I absorb it I just gobble it up Uh And I think that's kind of my healthy space is I'll read horror or YA fantasy, um, just because it's fun to just explore. And a lot of YA fantasy has just mind boggling plots and political intrigue or magic, uh, and so many different stories. And horror is romance backwards. It's what happens when there's not a happily ever after, but it's actually a Criminal Minds episode. So <laughs> uh,
1: romance backwards. I've never heard of that, but I love it. You, well, you should uh, hear it back. <laughs>
2: there's the uh, there's the joke that uh, Fifty Shades of Grey is a Criminal Minds episode if he were poor. Uh, yes.
1: Yeah, so, I've heard that one before. Also, very true. <laughs>
2: very true. Uh, so <laughs> it, it's kind of one of those things where like horror and romance, because they go so well together, because unlike with high fantasy or adventure or like Tom Clancy novels, you have to have great characters because if you don't care about the characters, the book goes flat. There's no book. uh, Even with paranormal horror where there's a ghost in it, if I don't care about the main character surviving to the end, it's not a good book. I don't want to read it. Mm -hmm.
1: No, I get it. I have, like, recently, I would say probably over the last six months, maybe a year, struggled with um, books that are marketed as dark romance that are Mm -hmm. really horror romances. Because I mean, they have the elements, right? The redemption arc and all of that that is there. But, like, it almost seems like a competition lately as to how dark we can get dark romance. <laughs> And I, you know, it's funny because you, you pick up things and I read all the content warnings and everything and I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. And recently this year, I found that I am not good with someone sawing an arm off and having a very descriptive represent. Like I was yeah. like, okay, this author is fucking amazing because I could not get this out of my head now, but we're going to put this down and walk <laughs> away because I am also the type of person where if I watch anything remotely scary on TV at night, we have to go to bed with the Disney channel on. So I've always struggled with horror. <laughs> (laughs) And so people who read it are so passionate about it because there's typically uh, either suspense or mystery element to most horror books. Is that correct? Like, am I just making a general assumption there?
2: So the the kind of buildup that horror gets that's uh, at the same as a romance is that it's a slow steady beat so as things progress and the plot moves forward things get more intense so like with romance usually there's more smut there's more interpersonal connection Uh, we get like deeper uh, meanings to stuff Uh, we see more relationship with horror uh, you feel that dread coming on and it's a steady beat off a cliff versus like the endorphins from being happy uh so you have to that have
1: comparison. that makes more sense to me in my brain now <laughs> you
2: just have to have a because really I
1: always felt like, there's like similarities like the, mm-hmm. the two genres seem to mix well together and I don't know if that's just like a history of things like paranormal romance and gothic romance and so forth that have been around for a really long time and it kind of people have, have always appealed to people um that Like some of those elements you see in like mainstream regular books too, but mm-hmm. it is taking you down a similar path. It sounds like at least the emotional side of it, which is cool. Um, and I guess I think one thing that I had always mistaken when it came to horror versus romance is like the amount that really goes into building the characters, right? Because I think in either situation, there has to be that element of caring for the character. Like you said, mm-hmm. like you want them to survive in the end. Like you want them to get together in the end kind of thing, that driving force. Right. <laughs> right. So I just, it's very interesting as dark romance has taken such, I mean, they, it's made so many moves towards like being more mainstream over the last couple of years, really. Um, that it can be from like, and then there's like all the people are like, well, I mean, it's kind of dark. Maybe it's gray romance. It's not, you know, Cause it, but it all depends on what you read, right? Like, I right. mean, if you read stuff that is like super, super dark, you might read something that's not and feel like, oh, well, that wasn't that dark at all. I'm fine.
2: And everyone has a different kind of like your pain rating scale. Everyone has a different darkness rating. And you really have to know personally what that is before going in uh because if you're like oh i i can go up to five stars and then uh they get into a dark romance with uh the reaper who then uh Unalives your your main character, and then we have the smut with the main character. Uh, are you truly ready for that? Like, it's right. Like, are
1: we okay with that? Or no? I, we're not. A lot of I people don't.
2: go yeah. in thinking they have a, a higher threshold than they do, and uh, like you, you gotta ease yourself in uh, either. By reading dark romance, uh, and building up, or having like a background in like horror or thriller or suspense, and liking Um, that, being drawn to that, yeah, no, I can do that. But fan fiction also helps a lot. Uh, I found a lot of readers that who have been reading fan fiction for ages, like go into dark romance. They're like, oh no, this is fine. Nothing, right? I've read way worse for free, so.
1: I have just been starting to learn about fan fiction since recording the podcast because Mm -hmm. so many authors come from that world of fan fiction and I never even read it. Like as a reader, I just never understood the whole premise of it. Um, And I love that. I love how like so many risks can be taken with that and readers can find literally anything they're looking for there. Um, I just, I just think it's fun now. So with the monster romance specifically mm. though. Right. Cause like all monster romance doesn't have to be like scary, terrible, awful monsters. Oh, no. We could be super sweet, cozy monsters too, that like, just like to fuck humans. So with your first book, let's talk about when you were writing your first book, like, mm. was it, what brought you to that book? Where did it come from? Was it like a, Oh, I've got a story I want to tell. Did you always know that it was something that you were going to write? Was the story just there?
2: So I had uh, just left the Mart of Walls, the Empire, um, and I had been uh, a manager. I had been working there for seven years, um, and I had a lot of retail drama. <laughs> and uh, when I got home, I all I had in my brain was retail, and so I was like, if I'm going to write a romance. Knowing me, the only thing I can think of right now is retail. So I'm going to do an office romance in a retail setting. And so that's what I just originally went out to do, was just two women, enemies to lovers. They both want the same job. They both get the job. Now they have to not kill each other long enough to do the job, right? Uh, Or else watch all of their hard work go up in flames. Uh, And that was kind of the premise. And as a pantser, most of my ideas come as I'm writing, or at 3 a.m. Uh, I'll be laying down, and then my brain will be like, "She has a werewolf rescue. That's that's what we're missing." <laughs> and, uh, my husband is
1: has- a good time though. Like, I mean, why, why not, what other would be a good time for a werewolf rescue, but three o'clock in the morning Your brain's just working
2: cogs and is just turning over and he goes, that's it. We fixed it. We know exactly what it needs to be yeah. now. Um, <laughs> And I, I, my phone has all my notes. Um, I, I delete them after, like, I finished with the book. But there's, like, incoherent ideas in it. When I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm like, I need to remember this. And I'll parse through it the next morning.
1: <laughs> like, but, what the hell was this? <laughs> I was like,
2: I don't Werewolf rescue what? (laughs) Uh, But that ended up being uh, like her, uh, Zena's dad runs a werewolf rescue where uh, if you're a werewolf, like say like a werebear or uh, an actual wolf werewolf where you just become this big hulking wolf uh, they save you and kind of keep you in uh, a great habitat but if you're like a werewolf person who isn't hereditary, meaning you weren't born a werewolf, uh, usually they save you from the situation you're in and then when you wake up in the morning you get a cup of coffee and a referral card to where you can go to get that cleared up. Oh <laughs> and uh, that was oh. the idea, and it was goofy. And then with Odette, uh, she her parents' father is a warlock, and she is a sorcerer because her great grandmother is the sugar plum fairy. So uh, she <laughs> doesn't want to be cute she's destined to be cute, but she's like, no, I'm a professional. I need need to stand up straight. Everything is perfect. Um, and throughout the book, she slowly like starts to lose that perfection and the shine and becomes like the real her and is finally able to like shine through. And, uh, that book mostly when I started it was I needed to write a romance to feel deep in my heart. Um, I want, I definitely knew it needed to be sapphic. Uh, and I needed it to be funny in a way that made me laugh and most people who have retail trauma to laugh. Uh, so if you've ever worked for Macy's, Target, uh, Goodwill, any retail, any of them, you read that book and you're like, oh, yeah, no, I know what that feels like. I know, I know what that feels like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and I think there's enough people out there that have worked in those settings that they would get it. Like, it was just, that's an easy one to get. I love it. I think uh, the element of humor that I think you put into your books is what it sounds like I, I love that because it almost it's like it shows the more human side to your monsters, right? Like I mm-hmm. mean everything doesn't need to be big and scary and bad and sometimes life is just fucking funny. And so I think it's fun when that's kind of incorporated. I mean, you always have those like slight comic relief moments, but It sounds like that's a pretty big important part of your writing process. Like for you to have that, I don't know, I guess the comic relief bit of it, right? Like why not have fun with it while it's going? And so do you find yourself drawn to books that have that primarily when you're reading? Or is it just something that comes out typically when you're writing?
2: Um, If I'm reading romance, the characters have to be funny. Like I... I can't, take, I can't read a romance that is serious because I can't take my own romance seriously. I love my husband. Uh, we've been together for seven years, been married for about two. Um, but our romance is not serious. It's full of <laughs> butt jokes and uh, making each other laugh till we're crying late at night in the dark, getting ready to go to bed. And then I'll just for no reason just swing and get him on the butt as loud as I can. And then we'll crack up la- laughing. Uh, and I feel like that's what makes a good relationship. And maybe it's just me, but if you can't have sex while crying laughing because someone has made a bodily sound, uh, they made a weird noise, or they're making a face and you can't still enjoy the it. Faces. Right. <laughs> They make a a dumb face because a chill goes up their back. The dog licked their foot. They got their foot in the sheets. Like if both of you can't laugh while doing it and still both reach, you know, that eventual end that everyone wants, uh, then I don't think it's a healthy relationship in my opinion. and I feel like laughter and having like inside jokes and all of my books have inside jokes between the Mm -hmm. two characters. Mm -hmm. Um, that are running jokes uh (laughs) uh like in dragon the drago's assistant which is aka project dragon daddy uh the inside joke is may i dragon handle you because he's often he he forgets to like uh that people aren't used to how strong he is and he's a seven foot dragon right so she's sitting in a chair and he's like, you don't need to be here. You need to be over here. So he just grabs the chair and goes to move her. And she like, like, <laughs> freezes. and he's like, what? And she was like, you couldn't just ask. And so from then on out, every time he's about to like manhandle her, quote unquote, he's like, may, may I dragon handle you? And like, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's more in a sexual way. <laughs> uh, but it, like, it's a thread throughout. And all of my characters have some sort of inside joke between there and their, uh, partner or partners uh, that everyone's kind of in on and i i love that because i have that in my own relationship and it's right uh i know if i roll over and ask my husband hey have you ever thought about if dinosaurs could talk what language they would speak in he loses it every time <laughs>
1: And my husband would probably lay there and answer me and be like, well, actually, I have thought about this before. And the next thing I know we're into, my husband is definitely the goofy one in our relationship, uh, 110%. But I love that the dynamic that you're in is just constantly and... uh, And it's incorporated in your books, right? Like, I mean, that's what it's about. My nephew asked me once years ago, and he was like, why did you marry Tio Jose? And I literally was like, because he makes me laugh. And, like, I am not typically the fun person around here. I am not the fun parent. I am not the fun person. Like, I am just a bitch half the time. And I'm like, but he makes me laugh. Like, he's funny. And so, like... You need that in your life, I think. And our characters Absolutely. need that in their lives. Like, there has to be some things, like those things, those relatable pieces, I think, of mm-hmm. the real world. Like, romance doesn't have to be real. In my opinion, like realistic romance, like I can get that at home or like talking to a friend about their shitastic relationship, right? right? But like, I want to live the fun of fantasy, but I also love those little like things, right? Like the little inside joke or something like that. That's like, oh, that is that's cute. Like I have that too. You know, <laughs> just get you the warm and fuzzies inside. I don't know. Um, and so do that stuff. I mean, you said you're a pantser. Does that stuff just kind of come naturally and kind of just unravel as you're going, or do you ever have to like <laughs> give some thought to it beforehand?
2: Um, unfortunately, my characters are chaos incarnate. So a lot of times I'll be writing and it'll just come up in the middle of writing. My brain's like, oh yeah, no, we're a genius. That's so <laughs> fucking funny. Genius. Uh, cause it, in like my latest Patreon short that's about to come up, uh, there are two cat folk and their boyfriends and they're bringing in, uh, Calliope as like their third and they're kind of in this thruple thing. And, uh, Can we pause. Because- what is a cat folk? Can oh, we- uh, so if, you've, if you're a D&D person, they're a tabaxi, but I can't use that word because it's copyrighted. <laughs> um, so essentially, um, they're feline in nature, so they're fuzzy. Oh, um, have you seen Theirs to Crave by Rowan Merrick yet? I have
1: not read it yet, but I have seen.
2: Uh, so the cover how she has those cat folks yes. there yeah. um, it's kind of vaguely there but in uh, my verse they're more humanoid so they still have like uh, cat-like features and <sighs> big ears but they range the full span of human cats so like Minx in Caddo's Waitress is a orange cat uh, and he's got like a cool battle scar and then uh, in my the two Caddos in a and their barista uh, one is a big white fluffy persian looking cat with like <coughs> golden lines and stuff and uh, spencer is a Bengal cat so he's like striped and cool uh but essentially they're furry um kind of how you would if you like did a werewolf romance or a minotaur uh and they have like paw hands and claws um but mine specifically have spines on their eggplant that uh when they're getting ready to release they kind of pop out not in a painful way but more in a stretch way and then the fluids come out and it's like one last little warm stretch before everything comes out <laughs> uh. <laughs> that okay so this is the really reaction i usually out i'm
1: frozen and thought here how how do you think of these things
2: (laughs) so those came with because cats in real life have spines on up their shaft um it's more like cacti spines to keep the cats from getting off while they're trying to procreate but i was like that's not fun and that doesn't sound um very pleasant in the nether regions, so <laughs> I decided that I was gonna do more of a stretch and give kind of idea. So, uh, kind of like how an umbrella slowly opens, they've got these spines that do a stretch on the inside, and uh, it was just a really fun uh, gag at first, but then it became real, and so now it's canon. <laughs>
1: Oh my god, I love it. Stretch and give. Okay, I get it. I get. I couldn't. I'm, now I'm following the thought process of how this stuff is evolving because. I I mean, this is where sometimes in monster romance, I'm like, what? Like, how did that come about? But I'm getting it now. I'm starting
2: to more understand. <laughs> a lot of it is uh, if the monster would have a fun feature like that, I'd probably give it to them because uh, all of them are kooky and different. And um, like, for instance, uh, Nymph on the Rocks, Victor, his uh he has two rounds uh The first one is warm and gooey, it makes you all tingly on the inside kind of like warming lube and it gets you like pumped for the second round, and the second round is like uh, a cooling gel to cool it all off, but it also glows in the dark
1: wait, wait, wait. hold on <laughs> so <laughs> I almost asked what's the purpose of it glowing in the dark but really it's just fucking fun right well, So uh, like, for as long as we've been talking is it literally just for entertainment purposes or is there an evolution reason for this glow in the dark dick I just need it so, all uh,
2: for Victor uh, because he's half fiend which is like a devil uh, so he has horns he's also half fae so he has moth wings that he keeps hidden most of the time except for when he's like shirtless and rocking out and stuff uh, but because he's moth, my brain was like, it would be really cool. And also started as a joke if it glowed in the dark. Um, and I made a TikTok joking about it because someone had glow in the dark lube and they were like, Oh, we got to hide this. And I was like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you're not going to just say that. Like you didn't say what you just said. You're just like glow in the dark. And I was not allowed to not do it so uh here comes victor who is basically eddie munson but if he were green with ram horns and wings um (laughs) so uh usually what happens with monster romance is uh like at first it starts as a joke and then i tell people like rowan merrick or azalea crowley or deb um and i'm like you know what would be really funny and then immediately i get a gif of do it (laughs) They're, they're determined.
1: I, I, I am trying so hard. <laughs> Y'all who are listening, I apologize. Obviously, if you follow along, you know that we have monsters in the form of dogs that do not listen in this house. And I've tried all the things, but we're Fair. just going to try and ignore them at this point. <laughs> They've run out of cheesy treats. Right. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. So, no, okay. Rowan, I know. Azalea, Crawley, you've mentioned them before. Mm-hmm. So, because uh, this kind of leads me to some of your, like, if you had to make some recommendations, who are looking for people to delve into this monster world. Who are your oh. go-to authors?
2: Okay, so, um, the... You look like you just got really excited about that question. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is what I suggest. Uh, to start off light, uh, Katie Roberts, always a solid choice. Um, but Katie Roberts also comes with heartache. So, understand, mm. the monsters are easy, the ripping out of your heart is not. Um, and then, She's
1: very honest about that. She is.
2: <laughs> I love her to pieces. Uh, my heart still hurts from Gargoyle, and she knows what she did. Um, <laughs> If you want like light and fluffy, C.M. Nacosta is always a great choice. Um, her catalog has gotten even better as it's gone. My favorite was Sweet Berries, A uh, Minotaur's uh, Milking Farm. Uh, I really liked. Uh, oh, Lillian Lark is also a classic. Uh, so if you like more modern fantasy, like mine, uh, Lillian Lark does a lot of uh, where the monsters are in a modern setting, where it's a city and stuff, um, and it's got modern technology and stuff, while still also having monsters that come from either legend lore or just straight out of hubris um, mm-hmm. if you want queer uh, go with Rowan Merrick uh, tentacles and teeth classic uh, bound and beguiled just came out a little heart-wrenching but also very delicious um, if you want dark um, Nemi and Caceras, uh just put out obsidian feathers Found um, this
1: because right, I'm going to try and oh. link to as much of this as I can. And Nemi, <laughs> mean, what? I, that one, I oh. lo- you lost me there. I will this spell funny. this wrong. Oh. oh, I have seen this <laughs> book everywhere. Yeah. And I have not jumped into that yet. It is. Was it as amazing as everybody is saying it is?
2: It is fantastic. It is dark, though. So do read the trigger warnings and be prepared. Uh, we do get the vengeance and the sweet taste of I told you so. But it does it does take us a minute <laughs> to get there. It takes, it takes um, you a bit to get there. <laughs> and like I love Sal to death. Sal is also a brat king and I I have mixed feelings about Sal uh, Caesar for Life, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, then, of right, course, for those of you reading City and Feathers we know Lizzie's opinion On it <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well uh, she uh, Nemi also knows my opinion On it because uh, I got the fantastic Chance to uh, alpha Read both that and The book that's coming out in between That and a few other books called The Salt Road uh, and uh, I am very fortunate to be on the alpha Team for her How books fun. because It's so much fun <laughs> uh, It's <laughs> It's it's a lot of ooh that made me flinch but it's good. It's good, but I do flinch. Just know
1: I had a bodily reaction to this.
2: I liked it
1: eventually, but, but I, did, it was I tough. did
2: physically remove myself from the computer once or twice. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to have to come back to this.
1: <laughs> oh, that is too much fun. So have you found that you're reading interests have changed over the years as you've delved further and further into like the romance world of monsters or has there always been just a passion for that bit of it
2: I think monsters has always been where my passion was and I think it's because of my love of fantasy mm-hmm. I I do appreciate a good contemporary book and I do read contemporary from time to time but real life sucks um, <laughs> <laughs> real life is. <laughs> uh terrible to make up your own <laughs> rules
1: and your own body parts and everything right. else. And it's just more entertaining.
2: <laughs> like, if I had the choice, I would grow wings or talons or cool tentacles or feathers or all sorts of other things. And I've always loved fantasy since a young child. So uh I, I had a feeling I would eventually end up in a fantasy setting. But I also... And one of those weirdos that I can't necessarily get into full high fantasy because, like, Game of Thrones, I just, my brain just goes, it just starts loading screen when we get into the political intrigue about how two different kingdoms work together. <laughs> It'd be a lot. <laughs> and, like, if you have 17 houses that I need to memorize, I'm losing it. And they're all getting weird nicknames. Um, yeah. So I got you. It's, I feel I Modern fantasy, Uh, I like monsters, and I think it's. I was always headed in this direction, it just took me a long time, because there was that moment of, if I'm going to become a published author, which has always been my dream, uh, I need to write something that's publishable. So I was reading a lot of YA. I was reading a lot of horror, which is everything I saw on the shelves and bookstores that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And then I got to writing it. My brain was like, this is not happy for us. We do not enjoy being here. Um, and we will not continue to do this. And so after two failed uh yeah, two failed books, uh, in the YA horror, uh, fantasy area. My brain was like, nope, we got to go back to our roots, and we know what's best for us, and it's making yeah. two people kiss, or three people,
1: How <laughs> so many people, and why not? I mean, it's, it's questionable. There's still time. We're right. Oh, that is so much fun. All of it is just, just so much fun, and I really love having you here. So, tell us a little bit about what is coming next for Lizzie. Where are we going to see you? What books are we expect? All the things. Tell me all about the fun stuff.
2: So, uh, my first official debut at an event will actually be Smut Lovers. Oh, uh, I did not know we were an event virgin. We are bringing lots of stuff. You will, be, of, uh, you will pop my monster cherry <laughs> at Smut so Lovers. i uh, I've been at, like, anime conventions before, and I've worked anime conventions before, but it is nothing compared two book conventions uh so it's a completely different world Uh, and this will be my first time vending as me uh so i'm excited and then in february of next year i'm going to be at tropicon in st augustine um if you look on facebook you can find the dates because i'm totally blanking right now (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, those will be the two events I've scheduled. Uh, The next that's coming out for Lizzie, funny enough, uh, is A Foul Company, which is a dark fantasy romance where the fantasy is the dark part, not the romance. Um, Oh,
1: I can get behind that.
2: And it's it's an FFM. So essentially... Uh, there are three people who think they're completely separate, um, and it turns out that they're both all. All three of them are kind of getting played because someone wants to ruin the city councilor and destroy him. And they have exactly 24 hours to kind of stop his wedding from getting ruined. And so they fake being a couple to get in to because Ervis has a ticket to the wedding. The other two don't, but. Uh, They all, they're going to solve this murder mystery. Well, it's not a murder yet, but it's going to possibly going to be a murder. Uh, And it's a chaos thruple. They all share like one brain cell and they're like tag teaming it. Um, It's fake dating. There's only one bed. It's a fantastic story. It does have darker themes because it's a mystery that turns into nearly a murder mystery, but not for who you think it is. Um, And there is people getting snatched and zombies and uh, other terrible things that make uh, the plot line itself dark. But the romance itself is still my usual cute, funny and cuddly And after A Foul Company is actually going to be two separate things. I'm doing uh, a How to Marry a Lich, which is a gothic romance uh, where a woman has uh, two choices. Uh, Either suffer the punishment of her evil stepfather who is trying to get at her inheritance from her rich mother, or take her life into her own hands and marry the Lich of the Woods uh, who runs King's Fall and Sebastian Rosemont uh, is a Lich King, a Lich Lord whatever you'd like to call him he's eccentric uh, think like Victor Frankenstein but if he also looked like Kaz Brecker from Shadow and Bone Um, but he also wears a plague mask and he's all jokes (laughs) it's really funny Um, wait
1: Oh my God! You're—I can't. I just—it's.
2: I need it's to really dive fun.
1: into this world of Lizzie Strong because my mind is like spinning. He wears a plague mask, but he makes jokes. And like, I—where oh, yeah. does it come from? <laughs> like, does it ever stop?
2: It started as a joke, <laughs> which is how you'll find most of my books start. Um,
1: Who's sitting here thinking, ooh, are we getting mask kink out of this? And then the next thing oh. I know, she's like, no, he's no, we're joking. It's, he's hilarious. He's a fucking comedian. He's really <laughs> hilarious.
2: He does fuck in the mask. So there is mask kink in it. Okay. There's a lot of blindfolding <laughs> as well. So when he's not in the mask, usually she's blindfolded um, because oh, liches are undead. So like, he's really afraid of his... Uh, the undead look to his body. Um, And so we kind of go through the cute cuddly of, oh no, I love you for who you are and what you, I don't care what you look like kind of thing. Um, And that's glorious. Uh, uh, And after that is going to be, um, The Cloak and Dagger Burlesque, which is my second major sapphic uh, big book, where we have a burlesque dancer who's the daughter of the owner. Um, They hire security because they were accidentally held up at staff point. So uh, not like knife, but like a magic wielding staff. And so they hire more security only to find out that someone is actually casing the joint and is trying to do an actual big theft of the club. And like great adults they're like we have to do the heist first and stop them before they get there (laughs) and that's the plan (laughs) it's not a great plan but that's the plan (laughs) plan. that's Uh, what we're going with (laughs) it is uh and we have uh like brett tamer and um oh fuck she's hot as a trope (laughs) like there's uh oh, I'm not allowed to flirt with the owner's daughter, but then she's heavily flirting with me. So there's a lot of back and forth. And uh, the great thing is that also is my first, like, monster-monster romance that's Savick because uh, my one uh, partner or the one woman in it is a dragon so she's a copper dragon she's big buff um step on me vibes um and uh it's really fun i'm really excited for that uh because that one though it has like a little bit of darker themes because it's a heist and there's um people getting hurt and stuff like that but it's also a really just a fun romance that i thoroughly enjoyed writing the entire time uh So what the future is for Lizzie Strong is you're still getting a lot of pan characters. Pretty much everyone, I'm right. If they're a... Uh, main character, they're pansexual or bi. Um, and if uh, if the book is labeled sapphic, it they're most likely bi. Um, but uh, I do clarify if they're lesbian specific. Um, but most mm-hmm. of the time, it's uh, bi and pan representation as a pan person. It was really important for me that everyone gets uh, visuals from MF to FFM or MMF. You know, we yeah. get the variations of everything. Um, <laughs> lots of chaos, lots of this was just vibes and a joke um, <laughs> where I was like, but what if the the burlesque was getting robbed? <laughs> like, what would they do? Uh, and the joke is, well, clearly the way to stop a heist is to do it first and get there before them. And thus... The book, <laughs> and now there's a book, <laughs> and now there's a book. Uh, <gasps> so that's uh, that's what it is. Uh, plus, I'm doing some Patreon shorts. Um, I'm working on some anthology pieces. I'm really excited about. Um, I'm heading some anthologies coming up, and uh, I've got some partnerships that are come out that are going to come out next year. I'm really excited about. Uh, that's so fine. that's kind of what the future for me <laughs> looks like
1: little bit of everything but a whole lot of chaos oh yeah just some funny Um, freaking shit is what it sounds like and I love it I do like my face hurts because I've been smiling and laughing so much which again is not the fun person in the world um i don't it just says a lot (laughs) (laughs) i mean i you know and i've said this before in the podcast i'm not a rom-com kind of fan when it comes to romance i have tried it a million times but the level of humor that it sounds like is injected into your people like how could you not love that like it's just like accidental fucking hilarity is what it sounds like most of the time
2: it is and uh, I never classify anything I like write as rom com because rom com tends to be the romance itself is funny. Yeah. M- mine is romance with a lot of fucking humor in it. <laughs> <laughs> <Just> <laughs>
1: and a lot of random hilarious shit happening around them.
2: <laughs> it's just a lot of stuff like uh, in Lich Daddy, uh, <laughs> there's a gardener. He's a zombie. His name is Kevin. It made me laugh it's so hard me I me snorted me and I cried. Who named Kevin in the right. world? Like, you and know. he's goofy and he wears plaid shirts and cargo shorts and he has his garden trowel <laughs> stuck in his head. And it made me laugh so hard that I couldn't breathe. And so I was like, "It's got to go in the book." Um, <laughs> and so that's the kind of things you can expect with me. Is uh, it'll be really fun, adventurous, uh, chaos, uh, queer uh there's always gonna be something funny <laughs> something <laughs> funny about it. Um but I will say uh I don't do like secondhand embarrassment trope and mm. I really don't like miscommunication tropes, So they mm. do talk everything out. It's funny because no matter what stuff happens <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love it. I love it, Lizzie. Thank you so much. We are, of course, out of time—way too soon. But this was an absolute blast. I can't wait to dig into some of your books now. I am truly intrigued about like zombies named Kevin and mask kink. Really, that's, that's those are the highlights of my conversation, <laughs> Brett Tamer. I mean. I just, it's just fun. It's just fun. And this was awesome. So thank you so much. Uh, for those of you who listen on Patreon as well, stay tuned. We've got some little bonus added extras that we are getting ready to record for all of you that support us there. For those of you who just listen on all of our main platforms, thank you again for being here for another fun episode of Smut Lovers, the podcast. We'll see you in the next one.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Smud Lovers, the podcast. For more content, be sure to join our Patreon for an extra kinky 15 minutes with today's guest. Also, don't forget to subscribe and visit us at smutlovers.org. Until next time, happy reading!